Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the EFL Fantasy Podcast. Um, I I am not Jamie. My name is Angus. Uh, this will hopefully be our last episode without Jamie. Um, I am joined this evening by Dan Ashby. Dan, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, Angus. Uh, hopefully this episode will actually be broadcast. Yeah. Because our last one didn't. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Fantasy-wise, I had a... A, well, a good game week. I didn't use any boosts. I got a uh, 94 minus four. Uh, Captain Mitrovic with 18. Vice Captain Solanke with 24. Um, returns from Swift, Willock, and Grant. Uh, clean sheet for Everson in goal. So, yeah, quite happy. Uh, the two transfers I did was Solanke and Zamora, the young left back from Bournemouth in for NG and more so a really good transfer I think obviously building towards away games away days in game week five so overall yeah another green arrow up to 272 so I'm gradually climbing up um how about you Angus did you have yeah so I had a 97 minus four so similar sort of score um, I had the same. I had the captaincy on Mitrovic and the vice captaincy on Solanke. I had John Swift, who obviously won and scored a penalty. I had Carvalho's goal, Sean Morrison's goal, and I had Lumley's clean sheeting goal. So um, the the one sort of, I guess, risk I took this week was I uh, made the move this week of going from Chris Willock to Callum Robinson, which obviously didn't pay off, but then um, in my lineup, I actually had Willock benched, so it probably wouldn't have paid off either way. It probably would have sort of hurt me either way. So at least at this point, I've got Robinson in my team, same as you, looking ahead to away days in game week five. So don't regret it too much, really. Can't regret too much when you come out of the game week with the net score of 93 either. So uh, up to 189th. So uh, compared to the first game week where we were sort of very down about our uh, ranks, both was very much heading in the right direction at this point. Um, but we'll jump into the game week. We're going to go through the games and then we'll cover the questions, a number of which are on uh, the same topic, which is boosts for game week five. And then there's a couple of other questions in there as well. Um, we'll go by the running order of the quest highlights, which means the first game we're going into is Sheffield United versus Huddersfield. Um, so we will get into that one first. You are obviously covering the home teams this week, Dan. So yeah. if you want to uh, get us going with Sheffield United. Yeah, so Sheffield United um, continued their disastrous start to the season, uh, losing 2-1 Huddersfield. Although I was a, a bit happier with their lineup, like we've been having conversation about they were playing four four two or four four at the back with trying to play with wingers, and they they just don't have any wingers. They they can't play that way. So they went back to a three five two formation, uh, brought in Davis, um, centre back on loan from Liverpool, who's at Preston, who's a, a good ball playing centre back. Um, they brought in, uh, obviously, the goalkeeper, Bodringham, 
Um, obviously, Ramsdale's now joined Arsenal. Um, they played left wing back Reese Norton Davis, who was on loan at both Blue and at Stoke last year. He's a proper attacking left a left wing back. And then the strike partnership was McBurney and Brewster. Um, so in general, I thought the, the formation suited them, but once again, there's just there's just no creativity. Um, they they finally did score, but it was only when they were basically chucking chucking long balls into the box. Um, by this time, they brought on McGoldrick. Uh, he got an assist for Sharp to score. Just basically a fox in the box. Poachers finish, um, and then they conceded a really really bad. You you can't you've got to pick that point up at any level of football. And the defenders just stopped thinking it was a free kick and obviously attacking for the Huddersfield player. So, in a way, I, I was sort of happy with what I saw, but in other ways, I, I wasn't. Um, big chances was one big chance to Sheffield United to Huddersfield. So, they're just not, with their quality, they're just not creating enough chances for their strikers to score the goals. And unless they bring in couple of wingers or a number 10 they're going to be nowhere near the playoffs yeah I mean I think they've the one thing I did discover looking um sort of for their team news and everything last week is they are after a number of players on loan potentially some good ones if they can get them over the line including at least one winger which would obviously make a big difference to them uh, but in terms of Huddersfield obviously a big win for them um, very unexpected. Um, you know, this this game seemed to be drifting along for a while. Um, Sheffield United having the better of it, but obviously drifted along for a while. Huddersfield took the lead. Josh Caroma, you know, the, the one sort of positive asset we've been talking about with them, Josh Caroma, popping up with a goal. Um, I think it was on the rebound from a good save to deny him initially. Um, you know, they, they obviously would have feared the worst when they... And they conceded the equaliser in the 92nd minute. Um, but the flip side of what you're saying, Sheffield United, fair play to Huddersfield for keep going right till the end. Um, Cole Will, obviously the centre-back in on loan from Chelsea, uh, getting in there to get the goal uh, right at the end. You know, a real, a real sort of absolute scenes moment, players, fans everywhere. <laughs> it, it, was, it was good to see, uh, I think Toflo was on the bench, but he came on, yeah. didn't he? And he got the assist. And we know from last season how good Toflo and Pippa are when they're available for Huddersfield. So. Yeah, absolutely. So that, you know, the, the first goal, obviously no assist. I think uh, Sorba Thomas had set up Karoma for the first shot, but obviously because it was saved and he scored on the rebound, no assist. That would have been yet another assist for Sorba Thomas as well, who, whilst he's a forward in the game, playing, been playing at wing back, you know, he's still got the returns. So, yeah. <laughs> um, particularly just, if he gets, he's just one he, of those players like Anthony or Aziz. I'd, I'd wish they were actually midfielders instead of yeah. strikers in the game, which is a shame because he's, he's, his that underlying stats that Thomas is really, really good for bonus. Yeah, absolutely, and so I think that's one to uh, that's one to men- that's one to keep an eye on, uh, particularly with Toffolo coming back. About what happens with Thomas's position, because particularly if he reverts to further up the pitch, um, that could be that could he could be a very good asset 
or it might be that what's really benefited him is playing the wing-back role, but we'll see going forward. Um, so the next game we'll run into is, uh, speaking of late winners, is Coventry against Reading. Uh, so, Dan, if you want to go through Coventry first. Yeah, so uh, Coventry obviously won 2-1 against Reading. And for some reason, they went back to playing Dabo at centre-back. Like, what? It didn't work in game week one and for some reason they I think it was because Clark sort of was injured uh, last game week but they ended up putting him at right centre back again uh, didn't work um, so they had to make a double change um, but before that uh, Victor uh, Godcares is really uh, looking sharp this season he hit the bar in the first half um, they did make that double change they brought on Allen and Godden uh, both players who end up scoring and they took off the right wing back, who I can't remember, and, and, a, and another player. And what that enabled was Dabo then went to right back, so he was more attacking. Um, Gokarez got an assist for the Allen first goal and then Hamer played a nice one-two with O'Hare and uh, he got the assist for Godden to win it late on, so... I've been really impressed with commentary. I didn't know I, I didn't know what to expect coming into the season, but um, they seem to have not changed the squad massively, but they've seemed to just as they've got getting older, they're they're progressing similar similar to Barnsley really last year. Um, so yeah, I've definitely got an eye on uh, Victor Bogres. Um Annoying, it just seems like O'Hare is. Had a couple of shots that were saved, and he's playing the 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 pass before the assist or the dribble. So, yeah, O'Hare might be one I look to move on in the near future. But overall, uh, they deserve to win this. They created three big chances to one. So, yeah, I'm quite impressed with Coventry so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I was impressed with them. Less impressed, obviously, by Reading. Um, I thought, actually, that they um, they obviously took the lead in the first half, but they'd basically been second best the whole half, and then John Swift broke into the box, got brought down, and all of a sudden, they were 1-0 up. Obviously, great for um, John Swift owners, particularly as he won the penalty, so getting the points for him winning and scoring the penalty. Um but from what I saw, there, there wasn't much outside of John Swift to be particularly positive about in this game for Reading. Um, Cabral made a few good saves. That's the only other one you could point to. But um, data forget for them, and particularly having taken the lead and then to, to lose it so late will obviously be a big frustration for them. Um, but I think it's one for them to, to forget and, and move on from, really. Um, you know, bad day at the office. I think Coventry played well, but it, I think they need to view it as sort of bad day at the office and just move on, really. It, it uh, was interesting. They did they did sign uh, Julia Hoylet, didn't they? Yeah. So that's another uh, attacking option which they desperately need because they've got a lot of injuries or, yeah. or losing the leads as well. So, yeah, they need bodies in. Yeah, definitely. Um Hoylet did come off the bench in that game, actually. So I think we'll we'll see more of him as it goes along. Um, the next game, which uh, Dan is going to cover both teams for us, 
is uh, Luton's game with Birmingham. So uh, I'm sure you don't really want to talk about this, Dan, but I'll let you sort of take this one away. I'm going to be as fair as possible. Uh, obviously, Luton lost 5-0. Um, I'll, I'll cover Luton first. We're still struggling with our centre-backs. Um, so we played 5-3-2 and we're just sort of switching formations, switching players. Um, we've had a couple of players miss games, like Oni Dima, who came back on in this game. Clark obviously got concussed against West Brom. Lansbury played against Barnsley but couldn't play to, on Saturday. Lockyer, who had COVID, played the last couple of games. Uh, Bradley's got long COVID, so he's club captain. Um, he conceded a couple from set pieces. But he's six foot four. He, he's, he's he's the main man. From, so, uh, Burke's just coming back from a thigh strain as well, so we're a bit of a mismatch at the back. But I'm not I'm not going to take anything away from Birmingham. Um, Birmingham were very good. They played a. 3-4-3, but it was very fluid. Um, so basically they had the three centre-halves and then they had the two sitters, which was Woods and Sunwich. And what they do is they push Bella and uh, Colin all the way up, so they're basically wingers. And what that then allows is Chong, who was absolutely brilliant, to the point where the Luton fans clapped him off when he got subbed. He was then allowed to drift and he was causing so much problems. He was getting the ball turning. Um, but I actually think Bella is the better fantasy option. His crossing was, was really, really good. Um, obviously, Hogan got two goals. Um, one of them was attacking, and the other one was a defender. So it's one of those where I think we were really, really bad. Um, like at the end, we were basically creating 4 2 the last two goals. But Birmingham were good. They're not going to be anywhere near the bottom, I don't think. Bowie's definitely doing a really good job. Um, what I did find interesting is the big chances was 4-3 um, to Birmingham. So although we didn't play well, we still created three big chances against this Birmingham side. And that is mainly down to uh, we were getting in behind them. Uh, with the pace of Cornick, so they might struggle against pacey teams, but yeah, Birmingham players are definitely on the op uh, an option. Um, Bella, I really liked. Uh, I know you like Colin Angus as well. Yeah. You're a fan of Colin, and Ch and um, Chong is is a good player. Hope maybe he improves into an option, but yeah, I, I was really impressed with Birmingham for a team where I. Last year they were so defensive, so long ball. This this was massive improvement. I was really impressed with them. They're going to be no going near the bottom. Mm. Uh, so yeah, uh, we. I'll just finish on Luton. If you've got Luton assets, they're a bit all over the place as you can see from our results. I think we're just going to be a mid-table side. Um, we're going to be frustrating, but. It's just one of them. We're just going to be in table side, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that's not too bad. I think it's one of those things where you know two teams who will probably be fairly solidly in mid table 
I'm not sure either would be particularly disappointed with that, to be honest, come the end of the season. Um, but we'll move on to two teams that were, were, are unlikely to be solidly mid-table. We've got Preston versus Peterborough. Um, so, Dan, I'll let you start on Preston. Yeah, um, so Preston, the main news was uh, Bauer returned there. Yes. And he's a massive, massive plus for them in not just because he scored uh, yesterday, but he's like a real leader for for, Bow, uh, for Preston at the back. So that's a really big, big uh, return. I'm not sure if he's a fantasy option, but just having him on the pitch might make them more solid in defence. Or so we'll have to see um, what comes out of that. Um, they obviously won one nil when Ledson got the assist uh, to Bow from the, the free kick. Um, it's a pretty even game, two big chances each. Uh, but for me, I've got Everson, the goalie. Um, not overly happy about having him, but he did get a clean sheet this week, and I did play him. So um, I'm not going to do a transfer to transfer him out. But Preston aren't really on my radar. 100% wait and see. Um, yep, so I'll talk about Peterborough. Um, I'm not sure how much there is to talk about with Peterborough from this game, to be honest. I mean, they had more of the ball. They did create some chances, but I think Preston probably legitimately edged them out. Um, they, I, I found the system interesting with um, George Grant, it seemed, playing behind a front two. Um, which I did think was interesting. Um, the other thing relevant for gaffer managers, albeit it was only on the bench, was uh, Smodix was back. Um, he came off on for the last 25 minutes or so. Um, but I think the real problem for Peterborough is if they start particularly losing, but dropping points to the likes of Preston, they're going to be in big trouble. Like Particularly off the back, I mean, it should be acknowledged off the back of things like picking up a, a point um, against Cardiff and you know they, they had got some points but if they're going to do things like lose to Preston they're going to be in big trouble really um, I wonder that, if it's going to be like a home and away thing Angus I, the first season we came up we were absolutely a ter- terrible away from home before lockdown um, hardly got any points I wonder if Peterborough are just going to be a bit too open away from home and they might pick up points at home like they did against Derby and, and Cardiff. So we might be maybe target, definitely target when they're away from home. Yeah. Yeah, I think, the, you know, the, it, it can happen to a lot of teams, like you say, when they first come up, being a little bit too open away from home, buying into the whole, you know, the pressure's off, let's go and try and take something away. And, you know, they, they can get a bit carried away. But... Um, that certainly seems to be a pattern developing, but we can see how that goes as, as the season goes along. But I think that could well be something for us to look out for going forward. Um, we'll move on, though, to Bournemouth against Blackpool, um, which you know was very interesting. Um, I'll let you start off on this one with Bournemouth. Yeah, so uh, I think a lot of us have Bournemouth assets. And if you're building for away days, they're definitely... Uh, one of the teams to build your team around. Uh, I guess the big news was Stanislas did start, set up a goal, and was injured. 
so he's now out. So, yeah, points per minute. He's doing brilliant stuff, <laughs> but he's now looks like he's injured again, which which is a real blow because when he's fit, we saw last season that he is quite a good asset and he's quite a good player performer. Um, obviously, Slanky got two goals. A lot of us captained or vice captained us, uh, but vice captain him. So that that was good for us to see. He he then should have probably scored a one on one where the defender made a brilliant challenge. I think was it at two nil? I think it was at two nil. I think it, so. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it'll feel like it's points dropped. I think. But big chances. It was only three to two to Bournemouth. So wasn't completely one-sided, but I'm guessing that one-on-one one probably count as a big chance as he got tackled. Um, I'm guessing the other major news for Bournemouth is uh, they signed Cahill, yeah. uh, Gary Cahill, the centre-back, and their play, their starting 11 is very, very young with all the youngsters. They need Gary Cahill to come in and settle this team down. Um I think he'll definitely do a job at this level. Um, so I'm looking to see first what Gaffer price him at and, and see um, what what he does to this Bournemouth side. But overall, I think if you've got Bournemouth assets, I wouldn't worry about them. Um, I think they're going to score goals. Um, just waiting for them to get some of their players back, which they yeah. desperately need. Um, what about Blackpool, Angus? Um, I mean, I was quite impressed, obviously, you know, I'd gone in, I had Solanke as my vice captain, I had Brooks, and I was thinking, okay, here come the points. And obviously, it started going Bournemouth's way. And I thought, you know, two nil after 20 minutes, okay, here we go. You know, this is this is going to go big, particularly with both goals having been for Solanke, you start thinking, oh, could Solanke get three, four? So I thought Blackpool did quite well to sort of then you know, bounce back from that, obviously a terrible opening 20 minutes and initially just sort of hang in there. And then they, they really start to grow into it and obviously got their two goals in the second half. Um, the headline one will probably be James Husbands getting a goal from centre-back um, and then their main man from last season, Jerry Yates, getting his first championship goal. Um, but I think, you know, it's big for them, particularly then after sort of coming back and equalising, which was big, to then not slip slip again and sort of lose concentration, think the job was done and they actually saw it out. Um, so I'm still not necessarily looking at Blackpool assets and I still think, you know, they're certainly captainable against. Yeah. But I have to give them credit where credit is due in terms of the way they, they battled back today or yesterday. And, you know, the fact that if teams don't take them seriously and don't put them away, they'll still put up a fight. And so you do have to be on guard. But I still think they're targetable. You know, that it was two for Bournemouth. It could have been more. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's positive for them to come out a bit with a point. But, you know, it's very much still a case of two points dropped for Bournemouth, really. Um, but we'll move on now to the next game, which was Stoke against Nottingham Forest. Uh, so, Dan, if you want to kick us off with Stoke. Yeah, so Stoke won 1-0 against Forest. and 
overall, I was, I was impressed with this performance. This is a proper p- performance that the top side do. Um, two big chances to nil. Um, the main news was no pal. We all know last year they didn't have Powell and Campbell. They wouldn't have won this game. Uh, Brancic was back. Um, Jacob Brown started up front instead of Sturridge. Um, Romain Sawyers, who they signed on loan from West Brom, was on the bench. Not sure he's going to be a gaffer asset, but might help the general team play well if he gets into this team. Um, it was just uh, the winning goal was really, really worked. There's been a clip, a lot of clips on Twitter, how they played it out in the back. The wing backs are so attacking. Um, Smith on one side and Tymon, who got the goal, great finish. Um, I think the assist was Brancic. And they're just looking like a really well-balanced team. For someone who doesn't have any Stoke after away days, I have to get Stoke in my side because they're definitely a top six side for me. Um, so, yeah, really impressed with Stoke. Yeah, definitely. Um, likewise, I'm in a situation with no Stoke and I'm looking at it in terms of how do I get them in as quickly as possible. So I agree with you there. In terms of Forest. Um, changes again to the team. I mean, obviously, you know, they had to bring in uh, young guy Finley back at right back because of the the red card to uh, Gabriel. Um, but, you know, they they changed the attacking players again. Joao Carvalho came into the team. Mighton came back into the team. Um, it wasn't great. Um, I know Kyle... Said at Stoke Gaffer said that it was one of the easiest clean sheets they'll keep all season. They didn't register a shot on target. Uh, me, as someone a couple of game weeks ago who went in and got Brennan Johnson with a view to game week five, not feeling so smart about that move now. <laughs> um, he was obviously benched, although it does make me feel better about his place in the game against Derby, which is what I was really targeting with him given that they played so badly without him in the team, makes me think that he'll probably be back. And, you know, he's he's one of the real quality players they have. Like, I mean, they do have other quality players, but sort of the brighter players, the players that can make something happen. Obviously, if you're really looking at assets, Zink and Argel is the main one. Um, I know um, Frenchie has said that he's the only one in his opinion. Um, so I'd bear that in mind with them as well. Um, but you know, they're, they're, they've started very poorly. I think, you know, there's growing calls already for Hewton's job. Um, and yeah, if, if they don't get three points, let alone like, it doesn't matter, like defeats doesn't really matter if they don't get three points, if they only draw against Derby. I don't think he'll see the next game. If they lose to Derby, he's got to go. The fans will have him out. That's a Derby. That's yeah. And yeah. the state Derby are in. I th- I don't think unless Zinkenagel does like 
creates something like a free kick or something like that, I don't think Derby are going to concede. Like Derby have shown they're pretty solid defensively so far this season. So the only one I was looking at is Zinconagel for away days, but I'm really considering against it now. Um, so God knows who I'm going to have in midfield, but yeah. Whereas a couple of weeks ago, I thought I was going to hundred percent. Like, not sure. Yeah, I mean the big thing for them, I think it will help that they're getting uh, James. They've got James Garner back on loan from Manchester United, who obviously did well for them last season. That will help. Um, I know they were also they they also had very high hopes of getting uh, Morgan Rogers forward in on loan from Manchester City. Um, but it actually looks now like he's going to go to Bournemouth. Um, but Forrest had been planning and doing quite a lot of work to get him in for at least a couple of weeks now. And uh, it now looks like he's going to go to Bournemouth. So that's another blow for them. So things definitely not well at Forrest. Um, and I think aside from Zink and Argyle, I mean, even then you might not want any, but aside from Zink and Argyle, I wouldn't be advising any of them at this point. Uh, but we'll move on from Forest and we'll talk about Borough against Derby. Um, so, Dan, if you want to kick us off talking about Borough. Was Derby at home, weren't they? Am I wrong? Oh, it's Derby. Yes, Derby. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I've, no, I've, wrote notes I, I've, I've, I've written it down wrong. But yes, Derby were at home. So if you want to talk about Derby. <laughs> OK. Um, it was a nil-nil game. Uh, I think Derby <laughs> will be more happier than, than Middlesbrough. Obviously, during the week, they signed Phil Jagielka and Bulldog. They're just getting more numbers in, which which is important for them. And as we've discussed numerous times, their starting 11 is experienced. And they're shown throughout the season that they're not pushovers. They're picking up points. They're going to keep it tight. And they're going to have one chance and, and they might score or... I think they're setting up not to get hammered. And for a club that was in a complete mess a couple of days before the start of the season, for them to be doing as well as they are, I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Rooney, to be honest. Yeah, 100%. Um, I know we've, we've laughed about the age of Jaggy Elka, Stearman, Davis, but they, they will defend the box yeah. and they will try 100% for the team. Uh, and they are leaders as well. So um, I don't think you can really pick any of their players to be assets. I, I really don't think so. But I'm starting to think, do we really target them unless they're maybe up against a Fulham or, or a West Brom? Um, because Middlesbrough are probably going to be a top 10 side and they, they didn't beat them. So... I'm definitely not thinking about targeting Derby. There's better teams to target. Yeah, I mean, I still view them, for my part, I still view them as a good fixture for the likes of West Brom and Fulham and Bournemouth and, you know, Cardiff, whoever. But, like, they're less of a target fixture now, yeah. Um, But I'll talk about uh, Middlesbrough. Um, I think it's fair to say that already... My love affair with Middlesbrough is over. Um, I know that they've been turning over the team. 
they're still bringing more players in. <laughs> Feels like almost every couple of days there's another new player at Middlesbrough. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, I know that from what I saw, Middlesbrough fans were very excited about uh, Martin Pajero, who they brought in from Argentina. He's still yet to start a game. And Warnock saying it might be a while before he starts one. So, I mean, Warnock changed the personnel again. And it feels increasingly like they're performing like a team that is being, that is getting sent out in a different lineup every game. You know, in their opening games, they've won one, drawn two, and lost one. They get, they're not really getting consistency. I think there's a couple of their players that you can look at, particularly from gaffer purposes. Lumley, obviously, at his price, they're still very solid defensively. But you know, McNair, he's still potentially a good option, particularly with the set pieces. I still really like Ipiezu, but I'm not sure I'd be recommending any other of their players at the moment. And I think they'll be disappointed to have drawn this game. Um, I also think there's, I don't think we've heard the last of the complaint in midweek. I think it was from one of the refereeing bodies or charities about Neil Warnock's behaviour towards the referee in midweek or the officials in midweek. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to affect the team, but I'm not sure we've heard the last of that either, which could potentially become an issue as well. Um, but all in all, no, not a great game for them. Um, wouldn't be selling them, but another team that I wouldn't necessarily be rushing to buy at this point. Um, we'll move on to... It's now throwing me. I need to make sure I've got the teams in the right order. QPR Barnsley. So, Dan, if you want to talk about QPR. Yeah, so um, this was a really interesting game. I, I only saw the first half because obviously I had to go to the Luton game. Um, and the previous Tuesday, we had just played Barnsley, so I was really interested to see how Luton stacked up against it. Um, that wasn't until we got hammered by Birmingham. Um, but you know, it was a 2-2 game. Um, Barnsley obviously took, went, took a two-goals lead and QPR fought back. Um, I think the major news was... Uh, QPI had a few players out for this game. No, uh, Bejo, uh Wallace, McCallum or Dykes. They were all unavailable for injury or suspension. So that left um, Warburton playing Thomas right wing back and Kai Kai left wing back, even though he's normally a right wing back. Um, and uh, Andre Dezel came in on centre. Um, and basically, they were they were just getting completely outdone through the centre mids. Gazelle was really struggling. The wing backs were getting caught as well. Um, so Barnsley went two nil, two nil up, and they. I'll give credit. Warburton made two changes. They brought on a Doma and Ball, and went to four at the back. And uh, in the second half, it seemed to work, and they gradually got into the game. Chair um, got. Scored a brilliant goal. Maybe you could moan at the goalkeeping they go in at near post. Um, but it was a great run, probably a bit of a lucky assist for Willock. But it's one of those where you just pass it and Chair does all the work and does a dribble and scores. And then Charlie Austin does what Charlie Austin does scores goals, 
Um, great ball from Barbe, who would obviously move to left back uh, with the changes. And yeah, so I think QPR showing once again. Um, they're going to be quite attacking. Uh, Barnsley won the big chances 2 1, but I think QPR just have that little bit of quality where if they underperform the big chances with Chair, Willow, Dykes, Austin, uh, Johansson, I think that makes up for it. So, yeah, once again, QPR showing that I think they're definitely going to be up there. Yeah. Um, in terms of Barnsley, obviously they went 2 0 ahead. Another goal this season for Dominic Freezer, and then Corley Woodrow getting the second. Um, I think they'll feel very frustrated, even though we know the goal scoring capabilities of QPR. I think they'll be frustrated having ha- having had a two nil lead. You know, I mean, think about it. Seventy minutes gone, they were still two nil up to come out of that game with a point. Um, will feel frustrating for them, but you know, I think. Part of it was we know that QPR will come back into any game with their attacking play or are capable of coming back into any game with their attacking play. I think they took it a little bit easy. They took their foot off the gas a little bit, Barnsley. Um, I think particularly replacing both your centre mids can lead to a bit more disjointed play and struggling to control the game, when, particularly when it starts going against you and you're changing both your centre mids. Um, But, like... Another sort of pos- positive performance in general, like you know, they, they'll look at it and say, for a lot of that, they were good. Sh- probably should have won the game, should have held on to win the game in terms of once you're 2 0 up at that point. But you know, they didn't, but at least they didn't lose. It's another point on the board. You know, a point, a point away at QPR is good. Like anyone who comes away, um, from QPR away with a point this season is probably going to feel pretty positive about that. Um, and you know, again, it's, it's another reason for encouragement. It's another reason to think like, you know, I don't think Barnsley will be a playoff team this season again by any means, but you know, they're, they're not going to sort of drop all the way down. You know, it looks like they're just going to be sort of a mid table team, which is absolutely fine, particularly for a team that overachieved the way they did last season. To, to sort of just slot back into mid-table as sort of a consolidation year, absolutely fine. Um, but we'll move on to the next game, which is Fulham against Hull. So, Dan, if you want to talk to us about Fulham. Yeah, this was another professional performance from a team that's probably heading back to the Premier League. Um, when you have a front four of Cabano, Cavallio, Navarro and Mitrovic and you still don't have Wilson or Reed. Uh, I think you're going to do quite well. Um, the main news um, apart from obviously the goals was injuries to Tete, Reem and Carvalho. Um, I don't know if we've got any updates on those angles but Tete yes. and Carvalho uh, major players for Gaff. Yeah. Do you want to do an update on them or shall I carry on? Um, I'll just nip in quickly because I just I saw a tweet this morning from Peter Rutzler who covers Fulham for the Athletic. Um, Marco Silva said he was a little bit worried about the Ream injury, but they're waiting for a scan on that one. Um, Kenny Tete has a muscle injury. 
Um, so keep an eye out for that one because the timeline on that one is uncertain. And Fabio Carvalho has a twisted ankle. Yeah. You never know with is they don't have to risk these players. They've got two or three players in each position. Yeah. That's worry. They'll yeah. just bring back Wilson. Don't worry yeah. about that. Um, but yeah, so obviously goals from Mitrovic and Carvalho. Um, good header from Mitrovic. Uh, Seri was on corners. Bloke from the Blooms just come back into the side. Signed for millions and now suddenly he's just decided to play for Fulham. Um, and uh, Robinson got a good assist for Carvalho. So, you know, this whole, they lost 2-0, two big chances to nil. It's, it's just a really good professional performance for Fulham. A lot of us captain Mitrovic or vice-captained him. He's going to, if he stays, he's going to get 20 to 30 goals in this team. Um, so, yeah, obviously, uh, keep updated with the injury news, but yeah, you need Fulham players in your team drastically. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of Hull, I mean, particularly away at Fulham, you know, it, it's not going to be a great test for them in terms of how they're going to do in this division. Um, you, you know, it's almost sort of these are the ones where you sort of have to take minimal damage. Um, they were without a few players as well, which won't have helped. Um, Alfie Jones is very important for them at centre-back, was out uh, with a minor injury, I think. No, obviously, we know about the likes of Malik Wilkes being out, George Honeyman still out, George Moncur suspended. So um, that won't have helped them. But I think, you know, like I say, coming up against Fulham away, isn't really sort of a fair test unless you've got someone like Malik Wilkes whose um, condition seems a little bit up in the air at the moment. If you are on a whole player, if you're on someone like Keen Lewis Potter or some even someone like Callum Elder, um, but primarily Lewis Potter, if you're on him, I wouldn't worry too much based on this game. Anything from this game was always unlikely. Um, and so if you're on one of those in gaffer terms, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Uh, based on this game, at least. Um, but from that, we will move on to Cardiff versus Millwall. Uh, so, Dan, if you want to cover Cardiff for us. Yeah, sure. So this was a really interesting uh, game, I thought. And uh, McCarthy made a lot of changes to the start in 11. Um, NG, Giles, Bakuna and Collins all dropped in. Uh, the main news was more started, finally got that started. Yep. Didn't do it in game week three when I had him as captain, but that's still a bit bitter. Um, so, but the game didn't really uh, go into life until they brought on Giles and Bakuna on the 63rd minute. Uh, Giles, two assists again, flipping two goals, uh, Morrison with a goal. Five of their eight goals have come from centre back. Just love it. I don't. I don't have either, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. is top goal scorer in the league with four goals. Like he's five million. He must be like five point two or something by the time I'll bring him in yeah. after the wedding days. But, um, I, I know there was a question, Angus, weren't there? 
about. Yes, I, I haven't made a note of it, but we'll, we'll cover it very quickly at the end. I think it was along the lines of, is Aidan Flint essential? <laughs> he's top goal scorer. He's essential, I'd say. Um, no, he, is he going to score a goal every week? No, but Cardiff are a good team defensively. Um, he's going to cause problems all season. We saw last year, they score so many goals from set piece. They really are. Uh, you really do have to think about the centre backs, uh, and with Flint being a million less than Morrison, it's, it's starting to look like a no-brainer. I know you've got Morrison, Angus. Yeah. What's your thoughts on on co- the comparison between Morrison and Flint? Are you looking to sell or no? So I think they're very similar. I think particularly if you get into things like. Um, shots in the box they're very similar players so I think that's the big thing in terms of things like the chances they're getting they're very similar players or they've they've been doing similarly it's just Flint has basically put more of them away at this point but no I mean part of it for me is I love Sean Morrison so I'll, I'll keep a hold of him but um, I wouldn't be able to persuade anyone else necessarily for the me- of the merits right now of Morrison over Flint but I'm not feeling the need to downgrade if anything um, if I was going to do anything I would probably get Flint to go alongside Morrison but yeah. um, which isn't out of my thinking once I come out the other side of away days but um, it's you know you, you have to love it I think that's the big thing with that you have to love it yeah and also, this wasn't a fluke result. They created four big chances to one. And when you consider, you probably associate Cardiff and Mill having similar game plans. Cardiff came out on top quite comfortably. Uh, what did you think of Millwall, Angus? Um, I thought they struggled a bit in this game. I mean, obviously, they, they did create some chances, but um, like a lot of teams, they struggled a bit to deal with with Cardiff from set pieces, which most teams will, to be honest. Um, I thought it was a decent goal for Benikafobe. Um, he knew more about this one than the one he scored against Fulham. Um, but, you know, it's, it's another goal on the board for him, which is positive, uh, particularly someone like him. If he starts getting goal on, goals on the board, it can go well. Um, but, you know... Not necessarily the best. The other news for them is Hutchinson, the centre-back, is out for about six weeks injured, um, which will obviously be a loss for them. Um, but, you know, they they created some chances. They, they struggled a little bit to deal with um, Cardiff from the set-pieces. But I think it's, it's another one where, you know, they've, they've had a couple of tough games recently in terms of playing Fulham and Cardiff. Um, it hasn't started well, but they'll need to start turning it around quickly. Um, but they, I, I still think looking at them, they have the players to do it is the big thing. Um, obviously, the key is whether Jed Wallace stays around, but I do think that they have the players to turn it around. Um, but we'll move on to... Uh, Blackburn against West Brom. So, Dan, if you want to kick us off on West on Blackburn, 
Yeah, so um, obviously West Brom won 2-1. Um, Blackburn sort of changed the way they played this match. They played more of a 4-2-3-1. Uh, Dolan was dropped from the, the striker. They brought in Clarkson. I think he was on loan from Liverpool. He played in the 10. Uh, Gallagher played up front and Brereton Diaz played on the left. Um, I'm going to be honest, they got battered. Um, they conceded seven big chances to West Brom. Um, Brereton Diaz got another goal like he always does, so he, he's turning out to be a, a good option. He's he's definitely stepping up um, for Armstrong, who's he's obviously left to join Southampton. So look, I think we all thought Blackburn was struggling. They've done better than we thought they would. I think there's just another one of these teams that could finish anywhere from about 10th to 18th. And um, they've got a, a big couple of weeks, so they need they do need to sign some players, uh, whether that's on loan or free transfers, because their squad is, is very, very light. Yeah, Brevet and Diaz is definitely an option, someone I'm looking at, maybe for away days um, or moving forward, because he's... He's, he's the main man at Blackburn. Yeah, so uh, so I've obviously in this one got West Brom. Feels like one of the only games where I've got one of the good teams. <laughs> um, obviously, very fast start for them. Um, Mauer getting his goal in the first minute. Um, very good finish um, after being picked out actually quite nicely by uh, the man that everyone has slowly ditched, Matt Phillips um, who was obviously then got the second goal just before half time uh, with an assist from Carl and Grant um, you know, I think the owners of the, the fullbacks who were involved again will feel slightly frustrated with no clean sheet, particularly if you own the double up. Um, I guess the big the big story, big lineup story was um, Matt Phillips replacing Grady Diangana, but the biggest story, I guess, from a gaffer point of view, then was Callum Robinson not getting on the board in this game. Um, he's not going to be someone you drop, like obviously, if you've got Robinson. If you've got Grant, you're absolutely fine. But what what was interesting is if Phillips doesn't play, Robinson's the plays through the middle and it gets the furthest forward. I don't know if you've seen this, Angus. Um, I was looking at average positions, and Phillips took over that role. Um, so I don't know if that affected Robinson. Um, and Dean Garner really hasn't done a lot these well, from the games I've seen him. So maybe Phillips gets a run, run in the team and does that affect Robinson? He'll probably still get chances because they're creating loads, but yeah, I think that's a thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know that Dean Garner has been hooked pre-60 minutes a couple of times, so it wasn't necessarily surprising to see him come out of the team. Um, the final game we will cover is 
the Friday night game, Bristol City v Swansea. So, Dan, if you want to kick us off by talking about Bristol City. Yeah, so Swansea won one nil. Um, Bristol City, a couple of yeah, interesting players played. Uh, Masengo started centre mid. I thought I thought he was really good in the game. It's good on the ball. He's still quite young. But obviously they had Scott and Pring on the wings. Um, once again, youngsters. There's a lot of rumours that um, they're trying to offload Narky Wells. I don't know if you've seen that, Angus. Um, but yeah, yeah, Mark. Martin missed a big chance early on. Um, they were obviously pressing, pressing uh, Swansea and got a bit of joy out of that. But, yeah, um, I thought it was two pretty average teams, and Swansea just scored the goal in it. To be honest, uh, one big chance for Bristol City, two for Swansea. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not really thinking about Bristol City. As, options, although they are very cheap. Yeah, so I mean, I don't really have anything to add on Bristol City. Um, in terms of Swansea, obviously they got the win. Um, Joel Pirot came into the starting lineup and got his second in two games. Um, I think the other one to mention that I've seen getting rave reviews from this is Ethan Laird, the fullback who came in from Manchester United, um, played right wing back. It'll be interesting to see what happens, obviously, because he's he's slotted at right wing back. He can play both sides, but it'd be interesting to see, assuming Connor Roberts stays, once he comes back, what happens there? Um, I think they have a number of different ways they could go, but it'll be interesting to see, obviously, once he comes back, what happens. Um, uh, like, other than that, not amazing. I mean, they didn't even create a lot of chances, Swansea. They were, you know, you're seeing signs of... Prog- the one thing I would say, you're seeing even small steps of progression each game they play under Russell Martin. Um, and... You know, we weren't necessarily of the opinion that they were going to be a playoff team anyway. But I think any sort of worries about like relegation that we had about them are are going up. Like any sort of concerns we had, I think, are going away. They're another one that just going to be in mid-table this season. Which, given you know that they lost their manager, or they only hired well, they they lost their manager not long before the season. Hired only hired the new manager like six days before the season. Like <laughs> you know they're if they can, you know, with the turnover in terms of losing the loan guys as well, if they can come out of this, you know, in the mid-table, I think it's actually a, a pretty decent outcome for them, to be honest. Yeah, it's, um, it's all about philosophy for mine. Yeah. Obviously, living close to uh, Milton Kings, uh, I know they struggled at the beginning, but towards the end, they, they were playing some really good and they were expected to push on um, towards the top of League One. So I think it might be a season of getting everyone um, familiarised with his, with his style and hopefully he gets the time and then maybe next year their philosophy will, will overtake the fact that they've lost a lot of good players. Uh, but yeah, not really any assets I'm looking at. They're, they're so expensive, especially the defend. Even Laird, he got put in at six million. But yeah. Just too much. 
so that concludes our roundup of all the games. So we'll move into the questions. Um, there's sort of fewer questions this week, so hopefully we should be able to cover them a bit quicker. We've got about seven or eight questions, most of which revolve around the boosts. Um, I'll ask a couple of them because a lot of them revolve around away days. So I'll ask a couple of them that don't. Um, so one of the first ones we had was from Ron uh, Mukherjee at FPL underscore Ronnie, who said, is game week five a good chance to play the Goldfest chip? I have Mitro, Moore, Solanke, Swift, Willock and Robinson as my attacking options. So Dan, what do you think about that one in terms of, um, particularly with those players, Goldfest in game week five? Yeah, I, I think game week five is a good game week to pretty much use any chip. Um, you've obviously got um, a lot of the better teams are against some of the weaker teams. So, for example, Mitrovic plays uh, Stoke, which is quite a hard game. You've got obviously the West Brom lads playing Peterborough, uh, Bournemouth have Hull, uh, Reading have Huddersfield. So you have a lot of a lot. Good options. Uh, QPR have Coventry, so I, I'm like I said, I've planned for ages to play away days, so I'm playing away days. But I think, um, yeah, any boost is really, really good, and definitely Gold Fest is definitely an option. Yeah, I agree. I think you know it's shaped up well for game week five for any one of probably three or four boosts that you might want to play. And so I think, yeah, it's absolutely viable, particularly with um, those um, those attacking players. I think it can be um, a big uh, a big uh, uh, week for that. Um, I'll go to at Ski House seventy eight question, which was likely to play away days chip in game week five with ten players playing away leaving Mitro as the sole home player in starting 11. Do you think it's reasonable to leave Carvalho, Flint and Willock on the bench? Um, I'll start off on that question because while it's not Flint, part of my theory um, with my away days in game week five is to carry Sean Morrison and Carvalho on my bench and one other. So I think particularly for those two, I think, you know, they're, they're ones that you're going to want on the other side that don't have away fixtures in game week five. I think that's the biggest thing is identifying if you're, if you're well, particularly if you've already been planning towards it and then any final plans is prioritizing. If you're not going to overhaul is prioritizing the players that you're going, you're most going to want on the other side. So I think with Carvalho, Flint and Willock, that's absolutely viable to be honest. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add, Dan, sorry. Yeah, uh, obviously you, you ideally want to play 11 away days because it's doubled. Um, but the fixture Mitch, Mitrovic has, if you're going to have one player to keep who is at home, I'm not against Mitrovic yeah. as your one player. So, yeah, uh, ski house, I would, I think that's very reasonable. Um, so, yeah, I agree yeah. with playing the away day. Yeah, um, we've got one from at FPL underscore buddy, FPL buddy, who's very reliable at asking questions. Um, it's also an interesting one. Said, 
can we go Anthony from Bournemouth to cover their nice run? Or is Dom Solanke still the man? Um, I think I know what you're going to say on this, Dan, but I'll let you take the question first. Look, Anthony has done very, very well. Um, but Dom Solanke is the man. Um, yeah. He scored two uh, yesterday. Also, with, with um, the attacking options they do have on the wings, who could come back, um, Brooks, Stanislas, Uh, well, Dan June's gone, but they're probably going to sign another uh, winger as well. So I think there's no way Anthony will cover, and you you'll never feel confident captaining him either. So I mm. think Dom Stelanke is a reliable captain option. Yeah, for me, I debated. It was really a fifty-fifty between Mitrovic and Stelanke. Um, I didn't even hesitate with handing him the vice captain or captain. So he's worth, I know what you think 11 million from Solanke, but he's proved last season and he's proved this season, already got three goals. Don't cut corners on Mitrovic or, or the main assets. You want the best assets from the side. There's, you wouldn't do the same with in FPL with with um, Kane or or Salah, you you just get him in Fernandez. So yeah, get Don Don something. I'm not if you want both. I'm not against both. Yeah, but and then he can't replace the point. Yeah, that's the one thing I was going to add that you've covered at the end there. I don't hate the going with both, particularly if you've got Solanke and Mitrovic and you need to get a third a third strike that's a bit cheaper. I really don't mind going with Jaden Anthony, but not in instead of Dom Solanke, no. Um, so we will go on to at FPL underscore Flair's question, which is actually three questions. Um, so the first part, the first question he asks is best away day game week five striker option besides Solanke and Grant. So we'll take these one by one. So Dan, just the, the best away day game with five striker option aside from Solanke and Grant. Yeah, this this is where I am in my team. Um, got Grant, got Solanke. And this, this is the decision which could decide if you have a really good away day, getting the third one right. Um, I'll, I'll list a few. Um, you've got uh, at Birmingham, you've got either Hogan or Djokovic. Uh, Bren Brereton, the fixture's not great against Middle, uh, Middlesbrough, but I think he's on penalties. I, th- I think you give him, he's definitely reliable. Yeah. Um, Gore Carez, away at QPR, doing very well for Coventry. Um, I've got O'Hare, though, so I'm not sure if I want to double up. Um, I'm not saying Graben or, or Taylor, that's a no-go. Um, Reading, Aziz, I'm not against Aziz, but playing out wide. Um, <laughs> do you punt on the Sheffield United away at Luton? We just conceded five, I don't know. 
Swansea, Pereiro, not sure, away at Preston. So, yeah, for me, it's probably Ben Brereton, a Birmingham striker, or Gokarez, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I I was sort of thinking one of the Birmingham guys, I mean, I've looked at Ben Ben Brereton Diaz over and over, so I definitely recommend him. I think Gokarez is a, a good shout. Um, the other one that I would throw in there who hasn't necessarily returned but could obviously be a very good option um, for away days in game week five is uh, Femi Aziz at Reading. Um, the second part of FPL Flair's question, though, was he says, is Brooks worth a go for Bournemouth's fixture run? Hasn't done much so far. So, I mean, that that is sort of the conundrum with Brooks, although... Watching, I think it was the first goal. He's basically the one who created the chance, even though he didn't get the assist, um, which I think is something you have to be slightly aware of with some of these guys in terms of are they making things happen? Are they involved? Um, And he seemed to be more involved, particularly than the first couple of games before his red card. He seemed to be more involved at the weekend. So you'd be hopeful, but I just think... Someone like him, particularly with the fixture run, he he probably will frustrate you. But for me, he's one that is is probably worth a go. But I think you have to make a decision for a a, a prolonged period and then stick with it one way or the other. Like if you're not going to go with him, then don't go with him. If you're going to go with him, you have to you have to stick with him because there will be weeks that he will probably let you down. Um, I don't know if you feel any differently, Dan, about. David Brooks. Yeah, I've got Brooks in my team and he yeah. done this last year as well. Yeah. He'd score a couple of worldies back to back and then he'd get injured and you wouldn't see him. So he, he's very frustrating. And when you think a couple of seasons ago, he, he was on fire for that Bournemouth side with um, Fraser and Wilson. But I don't know if injuries have hampered him, but He's in my away days. They do have a good fixtures after it. Um, if I do overhaul, is he going to be in my side? Not sure. I think there's better maybe talismans that are, are worth by or more than him. But for away days, he's a good option. Yeah. Um, and the third part of the FPL Flares question is he asked, the best differentials to target this week on away days. Uh, so, Dan, I don't know if you've got any sort of differentials for away days this week. Um, I, th- I think Birmingham are a bit of a different, just in general, I think. I haven't yeah. seen them. Yeah. Uh, um, obviously, this might be recency bias because I've just seen them hammer. Um, I think Bella is a nice option. He's very, Although he's playing wing back, he's basically as a winger. Colin, um, he's basically playing right wing as well. So, um, and obviously he's a defender. He's already scored this season as well against Sheffield United. So he's definitely getting forwards. Um, he's a nice option. Um, can I think of some others? Uh, like I said, Gold Perez from Coventry, yeah. I think is a nice one. Um, Sinkanagel, but I don't think he's really a really a 
much. There's not too many. Maybe a Sheffield United player. I was, I was about to say, Sheffield United um, strikers might be the differential on this <laughs> game week five. Yeah, so that's re- really is differential. Um, and at seeing Luton on Saturday, I wouldn't rule it out. But the problem is you don't know which one's going to start. I mean, the, the the most bizarre thing is that probably the one I would tell people to go for at this point might be Billy Sharp. And that is the most bizarre thing I can say. And it would like fill it would fill me with misery going with being like, oh yeah, I'm gonna buy Billy Sharp. But like it, it might be Billy Sharp, but I think Sheffield United striker might be the differential for this week. Or or maybe um a Swansea defender or Yeah. Perot. Yeah. Yeah, Perot. Um, yeah. Look, this I think if you've got eleven players, you've got the like you've got Grant, you're gonna have the Furlong or Robinson or Solanke. It's, it's what you're gonna do with and everyone's got Swift as well. It's yeah. who's your differential defender or is O'Hare gonna step up or who's that it's gonna be that striker, like I said. Yeah. Who that, that player who you punt on in the striker, does he step up and get a couple of goals and that, that'll make a massive difference. Yeah. Um, the other one that I, that's just come into my head, if you're not already committed to triple West Brom, if you want a differential from West Brom, Alex Mauer. Yeah. Particularly with the set pieces and everything. Oh, like, Phillips. <laughs> no, I will not be recommending that Phillips again. <laughs> um so we'll go on to the next one on my screen, which is Sean Linus's question at Sean Linus 24. Uh, I feel really sorry for him. Um, who's asked for replacements for Tete, Carvalho and Wallace. He also says it's like A&E in my squad. He also then adds that he has Powell and Muse from previous weeks. Um that sounds like I know that you commented on it on Twitter, but that sounds very close to an overhaul for me. I think the the one you would hope for there is Carvalho with the twisted ankle. If you can get away with only replacing a couple, um, and still getting a decent side out, but I would I would probably just be looking to sort of replace them across the board. To be honest, yeah, I, I know it's not ideal because I don't know if it. Um, Sean had planned to use a boost in game week five. Mm. Uh, I think we decided that game week eight was good. Yes, so game week eight is the is the other is the other sort of good week for away days. Yeah. So maybe you overhaul this week, set yourself up for the remainder and away days. Um, yeah. That's getting on the point of yeah, I would over. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sorry, Sean. He's a Luton fan as well, so we're not having much luck. No. Um, if if you want, if you actually want some recommendations for players at that price, but like I say, I would keep Carvalho. The report is it's just a twisted ankle. It was just in a challenge. They took him off, like he carried on, and then they took him off as a precautionary measure. I wouldn't be too worried about him. If you want someone at Tete's price point or similar, Anthony Robinson. Uh, is one that jumps to mind, obviously, if Tete's going to be out for any length of time. Um, Sean Morrison, Aidan Flint, uh, Smith at 
Stoke, Scott Malone. It's all yeah. the sort of obvious ones, really, to look at there, to be honest. Um, but like we say, you know, if, if you're carrying that many players, um, you might want to look at the overhaul, to be honest. Um, so we've got three questions left. Um, I'll deal with what I would call the less serious one first, which is, has Aiden, as we mentioned before, has Aiden Flint become a must-own essential for the season, or has he been lucky? Which came from Forever, QPR, FPL and Gaffer at P. Gunlike. I'm sorry if I've mispronounced that, but so Dan, Aiden Flint, must-own, or has he been lucky? For a start, uh, forever QPR. Anyone who's second, should you really be asking for advice? I'm not <laughs> sure. That's true. Um, but yeah. Um, I see you at, at the minute you've got Morrison instead of Flynn. Look, is, is he going to score loads of goals? No. Um, but this is what Cardiff. Do. They, they set up four set pieces. There's no coincidence last year and this season they're going to score a lot from set pieces. So it's not lucky in the sense that they are playing this way to get to score goals and they're very good at it. Um, could he go five games now without scoring? Of course he can. The centre-back, they might not get loads of corners and things like that. But about five million. And also, don't forget, you get clean sheets and as well. So, I'm I'm looking forward to game week six, where I can bring Aiden Flynn or Morrison into my side. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. Is like, you know, you, you're never going to go wrong with one of the Cardiff centre backs. You know, whether it's Flint or Morrison, like you say, set pieces, they target them. You know, it's not an accident, but has he possibly been a bit lucky to come out of these four, two games with four goals? Yeah. So, you know, it's balancing that off. But I think, you know, he's certainly a viable asset. That's without doubt, particularly because of the number of half clean sheets and full clean sheets that Cardiff will keep on top of that. That just keeps it ticking over as well. Um, but we'll move on. We've got two questions left. Um, so I'll start with Mike Day's question at Mike D Bristol, who says, should we reevaluate Park the Bus being the second best chip now midfielders are doing so well? And you have the bench points to get five, and you'd have to bench points to get five defenders out. Or does it still hold up as you're getting five captains? Um, so my initial thoughts on this were it's a bit of a toss up between two or three, uh, probably a couple of the chips as or a couple of boosters to what's the best. The second best boost obviously away days is number one we all know that i think that probably the next two unless you need to use an overhaul uh park the bus and goal fest and i view them as relatively similar um obviously you know if you play park the bus and you've got aiden flint's two goals all of a sudden your park the bus gets much better but i think it depends if you viewed it as the second best but i think it's still up there in terms of being one of the better chips, even with the midfielders, a number of the midfielders doing better because of that, sort of being able to double 
all of the defenders. So if you get that right, you can score a massive number of points on that uh, boost, which is why I still think it's very good. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, Dan, on Park the Bus and its relative standing among the boosts. Yeah, as you covered, away days is clearly the best. Overhaul's a nice boost, especially I think in the first third of the season. If you if you've got your team drastically wrong, or you've now seen um, seen a few games and you want to change your team, I'm not against overhaul in the first set of boosts. Um, and as you said, part of the bus and goldfest are pretty much similar. Um, it all depends on team sheets. For example. A lot of people played um, Goldfest in the last week and there was a drastic. I saw teams with seven goals and I saw teams with two goals. The same with part of the bus. If you've got Aiden Flynn, like you said, you're loving life. So it, whenever you play a, a boost, there's a risk. For example, we're playing away days next week, Angus. Well, if I get a game week like I did for game week one, I'm not getting over 100 points. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think part of the bus and golf fest are pretty similar. Um, yeah. For me, I, I like golf, so I would... <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my aim is to play both of them. Um, depends whether I can avoid overhauling, um, still put a team together that I want without overhauling. Um, and my aim, if I avoid that, would be to play both alongside the away days. I think if you can avoid overhauling, those are the three best boosts to play. But I understand for a lot of people, whether it's setting up something like an away days or fixing your team to get to the players you really want, um, the overhaul is necessary. Otherwise, it really, I mean, as much as anything, it just comes down to a particular week that shapes up well for one or the other as much as it is uh, anything else um, with, between those two. Um, I'll mention the final question from James Wood because we've actually covered most of it, um, which was best teams to target and best differentials for a game week five away days chip. He also says, hope the pod makes it out this week. Um, I know we talked about the forwards. I don't know if you had any other differentials in any other position that you wanted to mention, Dan. Um, well, for me, I've got two defenders from West Brom. Um, like I said, I think if you've got a West uh, defender from Birmingham, Collins, I said Collins. Um, I've got the young left back from Bournemouth, Samora. I brought him in. Um, hopefully, they can keep a clean sheet against Hull. Um, I, I, I did want to get, I'll say, Tutu from Forest. I think I would have got him, but he got injured. So yeah. um, I'm not going anywhere near Forest now. Um, and like I said, if you want to. That Swansea defence. Yeah. It's going to be massive differential if you if you can afford to get up there. I think that's an option. Or maybe Sheffield United against Luton. Yeah. Teams that are, are really unfashionable at the minute. Sheffield United and Swansea. They're playing Luton and Preston. Yeah. And Sheffield, I know Sheffield United ain't done well, but they've still got top, top end championship players, low end Premier, Premier League players. If they turn up, they'll be 
Um, so yeah, like for me, the differentials are going to come from Swansea, Birmingham, and Sheffield United. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll just do a little bit now on. Um, we'll do a little bit of our plans towards the away days, but first we'll just we'll mention for the people that aren't playing boosts. Um, if you were pick three options, Dan, as the best captaincy picks for this week, um, for those who are not boosting. Yeah. Um, well, my first, I would boost. Uh, sorry, I would captain a West Brom player, Robinson or Grant. I'm, I can't get to them. Um, or Salang. Um, if you want to go really out there, although I don't think it is a week, something you've got to pl- plan your week. This week's not a week to go for it, I don't think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not even going to suggest them. There is maybe like an Austin against uh, Coventry or, yeah, I think it was similar to last week. You've got to stay on the main, main guys this week. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give because of, because I love a cap, captaincy punt. Um, I'll mention a couple. Um, I mention John Swift against Huddersfield. I will mention Jed Wallace against Blackpool. And I had one other one. If you really want to go there, and you ha- and you don't feel let down by him, Kiefer Moore against Bristol City. I was going to say Aidan Flint. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> um, but we'll just do a little bit now. We'll do sort of, you know, in under five minutes because we run longer than we intended to again. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll just do very briefly on our sort of plans for for the away days. You know, it's not necessarily a secret. You know, we've, we've planned towards it. A lot of the players that are going to be there are there. Um, you know, I mean, I can, I can tell you now, if anyone wants to really wants to go and look, there's, there's, I mean, they'll only be able to see nine of the players I've brought in, you know, another one. And my final decision, I mean, I also, I'm carrying Carvalho and Morrison. To me, it boils down to basically Kenny Tete's injury uh, prognosis as to whether I replace him or Mitrovic for this week. Um, I haven't ruled out going with another defender playing a 4-4-2 and carrying Mitrovic rather than going with the third forward. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Um, the one that I am regretting now that I thought I was a genius on is Brennan Johnson. But other than that, I've got the three from West Brom. I've got two from Bournemouth. I've got sort of two from Reading. I've got, you know, most of the bases covered that you would want. So, um you know, I mean, I will say I've brought in a Birmingham defender. I don't mind sort of tell, telling everyone that. Um, I've brought in Colin. I genuinely don't know what I'm going to do apart from that. But um, I think there's so many ways you can go, which is part of the interest with this. Um, Dan, I don't know what sort of thoughts you want to give about your away days for the for next week. So I've currently got 10 
away day players. Uh, one of them is Yadom from Reading, who I'm not really fancying, so he will be first on my bench. So I'm planning on probably getting. I will get rid of Mitrovic. I'm going to take a punt on that that third striker spot. I honestly, I haven't decided yet. Um, like we said, I've named a few: Gorkarez, Birmingham striker, or, or Blackburn. Maybe a, maybe Sheffield United or Prayer. I, I will pick one of them, yeah. but I honestly haven't haven't decided. And then I'll be getting another midfielder. Um, obviously, because I'll be dropping down from Mitrovic, I'll basically any money to spend in midfield. Um, and like I said, I, I I haven't decided on that. I was going to pick Zinkanagel, but I am I am doubting it now. Um, so I could... I am high on Bella. I am high... I've got O'Hare, got Brooks, so, yeah. I think Bella is, has a high... It'll probably be Bella or Zinkanagel, unless I take like a crazy crazy. Which I probably won't do. Um, but yeah, like I've got three, three West Brom, three Bournemouth, uh, a couple of Coventry, uh, Swift. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy. Um, I've got twelve. I will have twelve, so I'll be taking a minus four this week, um, and then I don't know. What do you reckon, Angus? Is a good score for away days? What did we say? Um, so we said, I think for good away days, you want to be hitting at least 120, which if you think about it for reference, you want really, you would be saying, you know, depending on other teams, you'd want a minimum of 60 points in a game week. So I think then sort of doubling that up, particularly because you're eliminating a couple of the good teams by only going with away teams. So I think like 60 doubling up to 120 seems like the baseline for for good um i personally will be looking up towards the 150 range um for it but i think the baseline for good is probably 120. yeah i'm looking forward to away days because i've built my team for away days and i i think a lot of players have played it already so if i i think we'll get a clear indication of where we really are within the game this, is, this will be my first boost, so like I said, I'm I'm just inside the top 300, so I'm hoping to be closer to top 100 when it all finish. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that about covers everything for this week. Um, I can pretty much guarantee that you will have heard this podcast. Uh, touch wood. Um, <laughs> he says literally touching wood to make sure um i we will be back next week jamie should be back on thursday with again a podcast that goes out um unfortunately what i'm sure was a lovely podcast with frenchie from thursday he didn't manage to get that out um but we should be sort of back on track um if you haven't uh it'd be great if you could go and read the article on fantasy football scout as well rounding up game weeks two and three um we will talk to you again next sunday so uh thank you for listening and see you next week bye bye